We now come to one of the most popular Psalms and one that nearly every Christian knows about, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of Yahweh, He is my refuge and fortress, my God in whom I trust. For He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers. Under His wings you will take refuge. His faithfulness is your shield and rampart. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made Yahweh your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place, no evil will happen to you. Neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he will put his angels in charge of you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent underfoot. Because he has set his love on me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. I will satisfy him with long life and show him my salvation. Psalm 91 in the version of the Bible we just read, web version, and in the version of the Bible you most likely are reading, doesn't have any title. A lot of the Psalms, like the last Psalm, Psalm 90, it said a prayer of Moses, the man of God. A lot of the Psalms have a title like that. Psalm 91 has no title, so people have you know, they conjecture who wrote it. And I remembered thinking Psalm 90, the one previous psalm by Moses, is one of my favourite psalms. And I remembered thinking the language of Psalm 91 sounds just so similar. Uh, I thought, I wonder if Moses wrote Psalm 91 because they sound very much the same. I was talking to my dad about this and dad said, huh, he, he actually have, has often thought Moses wrote this psalm as well. When I started going through the commentators, lots of commentators think the same because they sound so similar. Plus, they've also been grouped together. Now, what was very interesting for me is when um, I was doing my research, I found out that according to Jewish tradition, this was written by Moses. So if you go back to you know the oral traditions, the, the, the stories that are passed down from family to family, the, a lot of Jewish people believed that Psalm 91 was a psalm of Moses. So it may be that I'm correct. However, <laughs> the LXX, which is the Greek translation of the Bible, the one that Jesus actually read, it actually says that this was a psalm of David. So that's a little spanner in that theory, <laughs> in the works of that theory. So I'm not really sure who wrote it. Maybe it was Moses, maybe it was David, not really sure. But this is definitely one of the most popular psalms because it's a psalm of protection. And Christians all around the world pray this psalm every day. Now, Psalm 23 may very well be the most well-known of all the psalms. The Lord is my shepherd. But Psalm 91, I think, is the most prayed of all the, of all the psalms because it's a psalm that so many people pray every single day. 
starts here. In fact, this was a psalm that was prayed by not just Christians, but by lots of people living in England during World War II. There was a period of history. There's this book that I that my parents had. When I was growing up, my parents had lots of Christian books. They, they still do, although they've culled a fair bit. But they had this book called Hand on the Helm by Catherine Carter. Yep. And it was full of stories about prayer getting answered. And there was this one story in there, and it was talking about um, during the days of the Battle of Britain in World War II, there was a period of the, of the war when Hitler was sending his planes over the, the channel into Britain and they were dropping bombs on London every night. The skies would go dark and they'd hear the bombers coming. Every single night the bombs were raining down and in England they started the habit of praying Psalm 91 every single day. And uh, there was a system that Big Ben, you know, the clock there in London, would chime at a certain point in time and the, the agreement midday, whatever the time was, that the, the whole nation would say Psalm 91 at that time. The story is recorded in this book, Hand on the Helm. And the miracles that came out of this entire nation, first of all, the fact that Hitler did not succeed with, his, with the Battle of Britain and Britain actually won the battle, but then subsequently through all the years ahead, the number of times the Lord intervened to preserve, it's incalculable how the prayers of not just God's people, but all people have an effect. And Psalm 91 was a big part of those prayers in World War II. It says here in verse one, it says, he who dwells, he means any person, who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. What's the secret place of the Most High? It's obviously, it's not a physical place. There's no spot on the earth called the secret place. No, the secret place, it's secret because it's not physical and it's not something you naturally think of, but it's actually Him. You go to Him and you put your trust in Him and you cast your life into Him. You, you're with Him. That is the secret place of the Most High. We... Verse 2 makes it even more clear. I will say of Yahweh, he is my refuge and fortress, my God in whom I trust. So the key here is putting your trust in him. Now, this is actually the way you get saved. Faith, a lot of people think faith is kind of this uh, idea of just believing a fact. Like, I believe in God. They think that's faith. No, the devil believes in God in that type of a way. The type of faith that we're talking about is putting your trust in him. And that's the basis of the faith behind Psalm 91, placing your trust in the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm giving you my, my life. Take care of me. Now you've put yourself into the secret place. You've made him your refuge and your shelter. And then all the promises start to flow that he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. He will deliver you from the deadly pestilence. Now, three and a half thousand years ago when Moses was around, who may have written this psalm, or let's say it was David, in which case it's 3,000 years ago, David, way back in those times, there was no healthcare system. There's no hospitals, there's no ambulances. If you get sick, you're going to get cared for in the home with whatever medicines are available to you. And um, so diseases like plagues and pestilences were a big deal. If they started spreading through the community, uh, in many cases, there's nothing you can do about it. The only place you can go is to the Lord. And so it says here, he will deliver you from the deadly pestilence. 
And you know, you think of times through history like the Black Plague and stuff. That's those are the things that the people in the world struggled with before modern health. But even with modern health, as you would have known the last few years, we can still have pandemics. Like we've just been, the world is still struggling with COVID. That's with good health. Imagine the world without good health. Imagine it without that knowledge of, you know, wearing masks and social distancing and all that stuff. Well, what people would do is they would put their trust in the Lord and he would deliver you from the deadly pestilence. And today, if you're a believer, you should still believe like this. You don't, it's not one or the other. It's not God or health, <laughs> it's both. And we've talked about that at other, in other videos too, how um, healthcare and the Lord go together. In fact, a lot of, lot of the, in fact, we wouldn't even have healthcare if it wasn't for the gospel and Christians. There was even a doctor, Dr. Luke, who wrote two books of the Bible, Luke and Acts. In fact, the biggest portion of the New Testament is those two books. All of his, his two books add up to more than all the writings of Paul. So we've got a doctor that's involved, and so the Lord does miracles. The Lord does answer prayer. The Lord does protect us from things, but the Lord's also into caring for people, caring for the sick. Both of these things are solidly Christian and wonderful things. We have them together. Verse 4, it says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will take refuge. Does God have feathers? <laughs> no, it's a metaphor. There are a lot of metaphors in the Bible. But this is an obvious one. But people do get caught out with metaphors. Have to be careful. Pay attention to the Bible. It's full of metaphor. In verse 7 it says, A thousand will fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. And um, I remember reading a book. I'm trying to remember the name of the book. It was called Anointed for Burial. And it was about the, the church the body of Christ in Cambodia in the late 60s and the early 70s. And this, the, Cambodia, you know, is a Buddhist country. It had been a French colony. And, uh, you know, the missionaries were trying to get Christianity established there and it was hard work um, because they were, you know, people just, they perceived it as a foreign religion and lots of things like that. And, um, but what happened was there were some Christians that were established there but in the process of this, the Khmer Rouge came in and communism came in and plunged that country into the greatest pain and chaos imaginable. And the years of the Khmer Rouge were so bad, they forced everyone in the cities out into the country and those country areas became known as the killing fields. In fact, the, the population of that nation just plunged. Anyone with any intelligence was killed because they were smart and they just basically wanted everyone to work without questioning. So all the teachers were killed, all the doctors were killed, all the university trained people were killed, and they just left with people who worked with their hands. And um, some of those people were Christians. In fact, if they found out you're a Christian, they would kill you. So there's this guy here who was a Christian, and he got forced out into the countryside, and he was working in the rice fields. And in the rice fields, they decided that they had killed too many people, and they decided they needed to make babies. And they were looking at all these people they had. There were single men and single women. They just decided we're going to make people be married and tell them to have babies. So they got this guy and they got a lady and they put them together and said, you are a married couple now, have children. So there's this man who was a Christian 
but he's been put together with this woman that he's never seen before, another Cambodian lady, suffering just as much as him, but, but he doesn't know her. He doesn't know if she's going to be a good wife. She doesn't know him and doesn't know if he'll be a good husband. But he also knows he's a Christian and he doesn't know if she is. And he knows that if he prays, like it's their wedding night. They're going to have their first meal together. He knows if he says grace over that meal, she's going to hear that prayer. And if she's a, if she's a Buddhist, like 90, you know, 9% of Cambodians are, she's going to quite likely report him in <laughs> and the marriage will be over. His life will be taken from him. He doesn't know what to do. He decides he's going to pray. So he says grace. And as he says grace, the look on her face, thank God you're a Christian too. An amazing story of deliverance for that man. And it reminds me of this psalm right here, the psalm of protection. In the middle of a crazy situation, a thousand fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not touch you. This man and his the Lord basically got the two Christians that were there and put them together and in the process saved both of their lives. It's an amazing story. And um, this, the, the wonders of God's promises like this when you take a hold of them and believe them. Now, over the years, there's been plenty of Christians who have suffered and have struggled. And um, sometimes Christians say, or the question gets asked, if God is a God of protection, why do bad things happen sometimes? And I think, of, I think about these things, and I know that Daniel, he went into the lion's den and was delivered from the lions in the book of Daniel, which we haven't got to yet. We'll get to there soon, next year. And, um, but in the early church, there were plenty of Christians that got thrown to the lions and they weren't delivered. The problem here is in our understanding of what deliverance is. And um, because we always think that the, the, the real deliverance is the one that happens in the earth and we never think about eternity at all, but the real deliverance is actually in eternity. Daniel was delivered from the lions, but those other Christians were delivered by the lions. The lions delivered them into the hand of the Lord and they received the real deliverance. Daniel, just died. Daniel may have been delivered for them, but he died again later. But those Christians were given into the hand of the Lord and the Lord delivered them. It's hard for us to get our head around that. When we read a psalm like this, we think of it only about this earth and about this life. But the greater protection that we need are actually the eternal things. We need to be protected from sin, protected from temptation, protected from those things which kill. There are pestilences, there are spiritual diseases. There are things which destroy the lives of people and those are the things we need the greater protection from. God's hand is so absolutely in those things, but God also delivers us in this life as well. So I, I recommend this psalm to you as a prayer of protection, but I would say don't think of it only as a prayer of protection for this life. Think of it as a prayer of protection from spiritual things and, and from the life you know, from basically a protection in eternity as well. One or two more other interesting things. In verse 11, it says here, he will put his angels in charge of you to guard you in all your ways. That's a wonderful thing to think that God's angels are with us looking after us. We have no idea what we've been saved from because they're at work doing this. 
But what's very interesting about this verse is this is the verse the devil tried to use against Jesus in his temptation in Matthew chapter 4. The devil said to Jesus, throw yourself off the temple because, you know, he will put his angels in charge of you to catch you. So the devil actually quoted this psalm. Isn't that strange? And yet it's actually true. Jesus didn't say it wasn't true. He just said to the devil, do not put the Lord your God to the test. <laughs> God's so smart. And um, in verse 14, it says, because he loves me, I will deliver him. And hopefully that is you. It certainly is me. I do love him. And hopefully you love him too. And um, he loves us. And because of that love, he will deliver us. Father, I thank you for this Psalm 91, a great psalm. And I thank you for your promises to us about protection. And I pray that we would walk in grace and walk in protection and in the safety of the Lord, in the shadow of the Almighty, your angels all around us to carry us forward. And may our lives not only be safe and protected, but a blessing to many others in Jesus' name. Amen.